Welcome to this edition of the Not So Common Podcast. My name's Pat Country, and this week my guest is Pixel Dan Eardley. He's a big time toy reviewer on YouTube. He's been on there since 2008. Some of his shows include From Pixels to Plastic. He has a toy hunting series. He also has the Geek Easy Podcast. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me, man. I'm looking forward to this. Here we are. And we spoke about, but right before we started recording, you were like, wow, 10 years just about on YouTube. Uh, one of the wily veterans of the scene on YouTube. But you're in a realm that is sort of different from not just the guests I've had on, but from the retro gaming uh, scene in general. While there are some connections, you are often in a little niche corner. Yeah. And toy and toy collecting and toy reviewing is has always been sort of, I think, a niche market on, on YouTube. Speak about, I guess, how you got started with it. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of funny because you talk about how there's a little bit of a connection there. And I kind of – I joke a lot or talk, you know, with my wife a lot, but with all the different conventions and stuff that I go to, like I kind of walk in many different circles. You know, I've got kind of like uh, this tie to the, like the you guys and the retro gaming group. Um, and the reason for that is because I, I first got into this, like many of us, because I started watching James Rolfe, and I was a big fan of the Angry Video Game Nerd series. And it was kind of one of those things where uh, it was, you know, it inspired me because I wanted to do something too. I felt like I, I could do something, but I knew immediately that whatever I did, I had to do something different and I had to do something that was of my own, you know, idea to differentiate myself. And that's when I decided, you know, I like retro games a lot, but I'm also a huge toy collector. Why don't I start doing some videos about toys specifically? So, so you were fearful of being compared to James. So that's why you avoid retro games. Or you figured I, I just wanted to do my own own thing and stand on my own. I wanted to do, I wanted to get into that that field, but I wanted to be different. I didn't want to uh, be the angry video game reviewer. So what I did is I decided to talk about toys based on video games, and that's where the whole From Pixels to Plastic series came from. So that way I was still kind of in that retro gaming realm, but I went the toy direction instead. What was your first retro console you had as a kid? Uh, it was an Atari 2600 and also a Commodore 64. I grew up with a Commodore oh, great. 64. Yeah. So we're both childs of the 80s. We're about the same age. So you grew up with, in terms of toys, I'm guessing, same ones I did, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Thundercats, you know, Mask, if you want to go a little more more obscure, esoteric. You know, I love Mask, one of my favorite 80s toy lines. Ninja Turtles. Yep, He-Man. You know, Gotta throw He-Man He-Man. In Man. That's my big one. A little one. before my time, but <laughs> I, I was I was there. Yes, He-Man's, you're, you're Mr. He-Man at Comic-Con. We'll get into that. <laughs> and then ending up with, like, Ninja Turtles. And I think the last toys I played with regularly before I figured, I'm getting told to play with toys, were probably the Marvel superhero lines yep. and, 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 X, and X-Men toy That's biz stuff. Sa- that, man, your path is almost exactly the same as my path. Yep, I think. We're both, we're both old. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, it was, uh, I started feeling like I was too old for toys about the time of the Toy Biz Marvel and X Men stuff, but then started getting back into it about the time Star Wars Power of the Force came out, and that's what sucked me back in. Which is interesting because once you got to those Toy Biz figures in the early uh, 90s, yeah, that first year of X Men figures was pretty, pretty bad with like Magneto's maggot on his chest and yeah, the Storm yeah. figure, the Storm figure that couldn't stand up with the big high heels. <laughs> But um, by the way, everyone listening, this is to be very toy centric. So you know, go on Google and Google this stuff. Anyway, but once they started getting into like the Marvel figures, 
you know, and you know, you had like I remember the Punisher was my first one, and then you had that Venom figure with the goo, uh-huh. and then you had all those excellent X Men figures. Once you got into the ones like Gambit, and you had like the second Wolverine, which actually had like you know the yellow and blue costume, and then the second Storm figure. These were really you got into almost like a new golden age of of superhero toys, right? Yeah. And then at that point, though, I was like, I go, I'm going into high school soon. I can't be playing with toys anymore. <laughs> exactly. You know right, what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's almost like wasted on me. <laughs> I, I never quite made that transition like my cousins did and my friends did where it went from that smooth transition where the McFarlane toy line came where they, they kind of got the people that play with toys that got, wow, these are kind of like sculptures. You don't right. play with these spawn figures. That I never got to that point. I was never like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy that Malbogia figure that costs 80 bucks at Toys R Us or whatever. I never I never looked for the Angela with the panty variant or the hell that one was. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, that never hooked me. I was, I was out of the... Toys that came out the same time in the early '90s, and by that at that point though, by the mid '90s, I went back and bought like the retro, you know, the vintage Star Wars stuff. I don't know if you had a sort of similar path there too. Yeah, well, I mean, the when the Star Wars stuff came back in '95, that's kind power of, of what, the force line. Yeah, the power yeah. of the force line. That's kind of what started getting me like. You know, I kind of want to buy these, but am I am I too old to buy toys? And I had that, you know, kind of like battle with myself. Yeah. But I mean, so then I did that thing where I was like, well, it's different because these are collectibles. You know, I had to do that thing where I told myself which, that these are collector which, items. It's different. Which is funny because they're all worthless now. <laughs> that's exactly. I know. That's one of my favorite things. Every time you go to a toy show or anything, you see piles of those Power of the Force figures. The, I remember they tried to. They tried. They were. They always were big on the Princess Leia one. Or they the first the first print run was oh you got to look for the two th- two lines in the belt versus three. Or so the, at the time you were like <laughs> at the time you actually thought it was rare. It's not rare. People just kept them hold on to. Them. They made millions of the stupid things. The short or the Boba Fett with the half circle the Boba and the whole Fett circle. With the half yep. <laughs> or the or the short lightsabers versus the long sabers. Or yeah. the short lightsabers that were in the long saber trays inside the package. There were all yeah. kinds of ridiculous things that we were like oh my god this is super valuable. We got to find no. these. It was so dumb <laughs> no toy no toy made after like 1988 is is rare you exactly know? Like, <laughs> yeah exactly and that's kind of one of those points i like to make now too like because and i'm i'm not against like people who like to collect their figures and leave them in the package no, but i'm i'm absolutely an, i'm an opener for the most part i mean also i do videos so i kind of have to open my toys but you know like i like to enjoy them i like to put them on the shelf and like to see them so that's kind of my is thing. That- is that, a, is that a phrase in the toy collect community, like shelf collector for video games? Are you an opener or non-opener? So <laughs> there's, there's, it's, they call it mint on card or mint in box. So there's, there's the mint on card collectors and there's the loose collectors. And I don't think it's quite as like of a heated discussion these days as it was in like the early 2000s. But like on message boards in like the early 2000s, people used to like go to war over like, should we leave it mint in box or should we open it? <laughs> it was oh, silly. wow. It's almost like these. Yeah. Sealed collecting versus complete in box toy yeah. collectors. You're not a real toy collector because you're leaving it in the box. They're meant to be played with. Well, this one, well, this one was never opened, so it's okay. You pretty much it just summed to, it up yeah, right there. That's the same <laughs> shit. Same shit just happened yeah. like eight years before. You know, the video game community had it. That's hysterical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever I go to the swap meet, I, which is less and less, and we'll get into buying toys at the flea market and how that's changed probably the past ten years, the same way it has in video games. But yeah, you see. Every swap meet now, you, almost every swap meet, you'll see 
Power of the Force uh, 95 figures <laughs> yeah. um, sitting there. You're like, wow, these are the ones I was chasing after. My toy store, I was looking for that Boba Fett. I was looking for that even that, you know, that TIE fighter pilot was a little bit, a little bit hard to find back then. Now they're all over the place. But you always will see. Always will see the next generation Star Trek. Star Trek, figures those things. Okay, from the, look from the I, late eighties, early nineties. I love that toy line. It is oh, it's great. It, that line has lost all value. I I walked into a toy show just about a year ago, and there was this one guy who just had cases of unopened Star Trek: The Next Generation figures, a dollar a piece, and I ended oh, up absolutely. I ended up walking. I was like, okay, so I bought. Like, <laughs> I'll buy. I'll buy five board figures. Yeah, like an army. exactly. Why not? Because they're a buck a piece. It's amazing how that line has just dropped. I- so at one point, guessing in the 90s and late 90s, I mean, probably early 2000s, was that like a hot line to collect? Like those are the ones that people all wanted? Oh, totally, totally. And those were kind of the same way. I don't know if you remember, but those even have like uh, collector numbers like printed on the bottom of their feet. And the box is even like touted like individually numbered figure or whatever like that. Like they tried to promote the uh, collectability of that line. I- like. <laughs> And that was the Playmates one. The Galoob ones before that were for they came out with like one or two years only. The Galoob ones, yeah. right? The ones that were l- l- traditional three and three quarter figures. They were like basically like season one Star Trek. It was like you know, No Beard Riker was in that wave, and lots of Ferengi. <laughs> just like the show, that first season was awful. You don't, you don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, it you hadn't know, found its footing yet. <laughs> yeah, it hadn't found its footing yet. I just think it's interesting. It's almost like the '90s became not just for 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 toys, but more so for for sports cards and comic books, sort of the craze decade of we think everything coming out we're going to be able to retire on. Yes. So let's so so the companies took advantage of that, and rightfully so. If there's a bunch of rubes out there, whether it's whether it's um, you know variant upper deck uh, hologram cards or variant uh, c- uh, comic book covers, like four different uh, die cut covers. I say all the or, foil, yeah, those foil shiny comic books. <laughs> all the idiots that lost their fortunes on Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies. They, Pogs. They, they sort of. Pogs, which that was a quick, quick death, but within a year. But that they sort of tapped into this greed, retro greed, where all of a sudden people are like, wow, only 25 years ago, these comic books, we threw them out in these baseball cards. And now if we buy everything today, by the time we are right now in like 2015, we're going to be able to retire on this shit. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. It's almost like that was kind of a turning point, though, too, you know, like that's definitely what was happening. But also that's when it became okay to buy that stuff and not be a kid to buy it. It almost kind of feels like, you know, or like at least more people were starting to do it and not feel so ashamed of doing it anymore because they had a reason for doing it. Right. They they thought that it was a collector item. So the in the eighties, toys were still one hundred percent kids. By the time you got to the mid nineties, you're like, okay, the Spawn figures are for quote unquote adults, yeah, yeah, you know. And then you could buy a next generation figure because little kids didn't little kids didn't watch Star Trek Next Generation. Those were all adults buying those toys, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I don't I don't think little kids are playing with uh, Counselor Troy figures. You know, I don't think that's happening. I mean, I don't know. I I was a big Counselor Troy fan. <laughs> okay, Dan, we'll get into your your your. your, your your pubescent okay. development yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. We won't get into that. No, but hey, mommy, mommy, I want both the counselor Troy figure and, and a and a uh, what is it? The doctor figure. What was the doctor's name? Uh, Crusher, Crusher, Doctor Crusher. It's just maybe. So so maybe it's just our generation, right? Like our generations, like we love toys, we love video games. I guess we just never grew up. 
are we are we a man child generation? Are we the first man child generation? We might be. I don't know. We're definitely the <laughs> like it's it's funny like because even my my parents or my dad specifically, he's just he still doesn't get it. He's like I don't know why. You know, you guys are still like you're my. He always talks about my generation still like buying toys and playing video games and stuff like that. And the same with my dad. My dad was all ready to throw out. He, you know, let's just say the equivalent to us playing with GI Joes was say the Marks little plastic figures in the fifties and sixties, right? Yeah. So the little the little soldiers you got like Civil War soldiers, uh, Revolutionary War soldiers, like the Apache forts. Those were the big the big kid toys in the fifties, right? Right. So my dad still has some of his little Revolutionary War figures. You know, you had the the red coats. You had the British with the red, and the, and the Americans were blue. And he has a he he unfortunately threw out like eighty percent of them, but he still has some left. He has like the little uh, and everything back then was still metal. So he has like one of the metal houses. He has the walls. He's just ready to toss it out. It, it doesn't mean anything to him. Yeah, he exactly. Has, he, he has a six shooter. Colt 45, like that thing could be passed off as a real vintage gun. You know, you put the real rubber bullets in it. You can put caps in it. It's in great shape. He's like, yeah, I'm going to throw it out or just give it away. I'm like, no, I'll keep the fucking thing. <laughs> give that to me. I'll, yeah, I'll, I play with it as a kid. But but that generation, you know, like the baby boomers, I guess it, it didn't matter to them to the extent of us, which is why those toys from the 60s and 50s and even 70s, there was a lot less of them because they were all thrown out. But we keep – from the 80s on, everything was kept, right? Yes, exactly. Even, even the Star Wars figures from the 70s, everyone kept them. Like – so right, but that, but that exactly so that goes right back to your point about the value, though. I mean, anything anything modern is probably not going to be worth anything down the road because everybody's collecting now. Everybody's buying that stuff and keeping it. Yeah, so when I see like uh, the NECA figures get announced, limited, you know, like the Comic Con exclusives, even like the they do like the Transformers, you know, GI Joe crossovers. People run out and buy those, but th- I don't think that stuff's even going to keep the value because the people I think that bought it originally have it like there's not going to be a new market 30 years from now that's going to want that you know what i mean like it's a different mentality now when you when you when you produce stuff and market it as collector's edition Mm -hmm. right away it is yeah yeah and it really it depends with some of the san diego exclusives but a lot of the times if you are willing to just wait that stuff out it'll eventually get to a point where it's affordable enough for you to buy it if you still want it at that point you know but the problem is i mean it's just like with everything else today everybody's got that gotta have it now attitude so you sure. you you know you Man you child. feel you feel the pressure right <laughs> like I can't miss that I've got to buy that and it's it's tough. <laughs> well, sure, it goes back to I guess the internet ruining everything. So when I started collecting uh, vintage Star Wars stuff in the mid '90s, and that was uh, to- and toy shows were big. I don't know if they still are anymore. I go to a you lot. Needed to- yeah, but but that was before right before eBay. You know, eBay and say probably didn't blow up until like '98 '99, right? So the only way I found figures was I had, like, a local toy shop that also had antiques. There was probably two of them within, like, a half hour. I went to there. I went to toy shows. There was one once a month in Totowa, New Jersey that was pretty good. And there was one once a month in another, like, firehouse. You'd have, like, maybe 20 vendors once a month, you know? But it was decent, right? And then you had the old toy shop newspaper. Oh, yeah. In, in Barnes & Noble, which would advertise all the dealers that would be like, okay, here's the list of what, uh, you know, if you want to sell your G.I. Joes or Star Wars figures, this is what it is. But you had to, like, call a number or oh, you wow. had to yeah. mail to in. But what eBay showed was, was all this shit was not rare. These G.I. Joes were not hard to find. Everyone had them. And so the, I'd say the value of my stuff, and I sold my GI, uh, excuse me, I stole my Star Wars collection when I first moved out of my parents' house, and that was in the mid 2000s. The stuff 
had not lost or gained its value since the mid '90s. Surprisingly, it was about the same mm-hmm. uh, in like that seven year span. So I, well, what happened was you had more and more people get into collecting it. I think because of the prequels, but at the same time you had more and more people selling it because of eBay. Oh and yeah, people were saying, "Oh, I still had these toys." So it sort of equaled it out. And I, if I even if I looked at prices nowadays, I would say probably for eighty percent of those Star Wars toys, they probably haven't gone up in value because there's so many. Like everyone has a loose Boba Fett figure. Everyone has a loose X wing. You know, well, I mean? it's like the, it's the so- harder to find stuff. You know, like the the yeah. the, the blue Snaggletooth. He's still blue pretty expensive. You know what I mean? And sure. and I think the hardest part with a lot of that stuff now is like finding them with the accessories or getting like um you know the guys that have the capes, especially those vinyl capes that we're tearing so you know it depends on what what you're looking for in those but yeah you're probably like the 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 main basic figures you could probably still get a bunch of those for a decent price do you want to talk about speaking of i when i'm looking at video game collecting i'd say we're about 10 to 15 years behind toy collecting or the scenes at for maturity and unfortunately with maturity uh, comes counterfeits um and i'm so glad that I am not into collecting uh, vintage Star Wars stuff now okay. versus when I got out of it. Uh, I, my, my cousin's now getting back into it. He was into it about 15 years ago when I got out of it. Now he's getting back into it. And he's telling me just now uh, the amount of counterfeit card backs and mint-on-card figures that are out there and counterfeit weapons. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. I don't know if you want to speak about how this scene's changed in the past 10 years in general uh, to go along with sort of uh, more and more people getting to it and the people getting into profit from from the uh, scene. Well, I mean, it's just it's that point now where it's so much more affordable to um, do the 3D printing thing or to mold and cast your own pieces or figures even. And so it's it's very easy for people to basically reproduce uh, weapons from Star Wars is a big one, like you were talking about. Reproduce weapons from Star Wars. And it's 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 definitely a little bit iffy. Um, and personally, here's the way I feel about it. Like, if somebody wants to reproduce some weapons so that they can complete their Star Wars figures or to help people complete their figures who don't necessarily care if it's the original pieces... I'm okay with that as long as it's easily identifiable on the weapon. Like, if they put an R on there for repro or reproduction, which some people, the honest ones, will do stuff like that. I think there's really nothing wrong with that. But when you have the people that are straight up reproducing the original weapons, then you can't differentiate them from the originals. That's definitely where things get a little murky. And, you know, now you don't know if you've got an original or not. Or And then... You got the people that try to pass them off as the originals, which are just the scummiest of them all, you know? So it's similar to video games where people are making reproduction, not just games, but manuals and boxes. Yeah. And, and reproduction labels. So now you're going to – you have the honest ones that won't try to sell it. And like me and Ian say, if you're going to do that, just make sure it, it says reproduction somewhere right. on the label. Right, so it's, you, But it's the same thing. I guess my cousin was telling me that there's a, there was a float test for weapons at one point where the repros would float. Really? Or no, or, no, or no, the real ones would float. Okay. And the repros would sink. So I guess there was like a hollowness, but then but then they figured out that the counter figures and they figured out how to re- produce them so that they floated. So like Amazing. even weird shit like that, I'm just like, oh my god. It's unreal, isn't it? Like people 
Yeah, I remember going to the, the toy shows in the mid-90s and even some flea markets, and you'd buy a bag of real weapons at the time in the mid-90s for, like, 10 bucks. You'd be, like, buy, like, 50 weapons. But now you can go on eBay and, and buy, you know, 100, you know, weapons. I look right now, you probably get 100 repro weapons for, like, $7, and that's all the ones you'll ever need for your figures, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's kind of risky, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't... In- counter the problem myself very often, but I think it's because of the things I collect. It hasn't really affected it too much yet. I think Star Wars and G.I. Joe are probably the two markets that get hit with that the worst. Um, You know, I'm big into like He-Man and Ninja Turtles and stuff like that, and I don't think it's really become a problem in that field. Not yet, at least. Well, it's probably harder. (laughs) They're bigger, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, here we go. Uh, 20 Star Wars uh, let's see, $20 for vintage Star Wars weapons, and they look just like the original. You have you know, there's about six or seven types of blasters. Uh, we're getting into the weeds here. Uh, if you don't listen, if you're not into toys, you have like the Leia blaster, the Stormtrooper one, the Han Solo one, you know, the Luke one, the Bespin one. You have all the lightsabers, the handheld ones, and, and then the ones that go up there, the Ben yeah. Kenobi and, and Luke's arm, uh, Invaders. And then, yeah, how many you sold j- just in the past 30 years of this lot? Uh, 675 lots. That's amazing. So think about how many counterfeit weapons are in the wild yeah. for Star Wars toys. You know, this is just one listing for since this has been up 675 lots. So people are so people are making bank on this, obviously. And it's stuff like that that really makes it even more complicated to collect those original lines. You know. So has Kenner gone after these people ever, or they don't care? So it's I don't know. It's kind of well, it would be Hasbro now because Hasbro owns well bought up what used to be Kenner. Um, okay. I don't know if they really go after that kind of stuff. I don't know what they consider like. It's not worth it. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's I guess it's just not worth it to them. I know that they try to keep it from happening at their shows, you know, like sure. uh, Joe Con and, and BotCon. Well, I guess now it's HasCon. Hasbro's got their own convention now called HasCon. <laughs> um, so nice. they, they, uh, they, they actually have rules, I think, that try to keep them from – keep people from selling that kind of stuff on the show floor because i don't know if you if you're a big if into the transformers but there is a huge market for third-party transformers and it's really it's a weird like legal loophole i guess because uh so they're 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 original original robots but they're not transformers well there are some ridiculously insane companies right now that make really good transformers that are the characters they just don't call they just don't name them the same um, but they're basically like trying to produce stuff that Hasbro's not. So they're making like it, it, it blows my mind how all these companies exist. But I guess it has something to do with like Hasbro can't really trademark the look of a big robot. They can just trademark the names. So these companies, these they're like <laughs> okay. they're in Japan and China and stuff. They're just all these third party companies and they produce these. And that's a huge market now. Like there's tons of people that buy third party Transformers. So if you can't afford, say, a Generation 1 Optimus Prime, you're saying there's a company that will build one almost exactly the same, but they'll call it something else. It's not really necessarily that because they're not really, like, copying, like, Hasbro's, like, molds. They're making their own Transformers, and they're trying to make them okay. better than Hasbro is, basically. Oh, then, like, yeah, then Hasbro has no right to go after that's, them. Then. That's kind of the unless, legal gray area, basically. Like, unless there's a patent unless there's a patent that they own for that toy, anyone can make a toy. Or a I'll, robot, have to, right? I'll have to send you some links so you can look at them because they're crazy. Man, the toy world sounds the, – the, the collector – I mean the video game collecting world is nuts, but the toy collecting world sounds even – Nuttier, it's, because it's been around. It's been around longer than video game collecting. It's been around probably forty, fifty years, right? Yeah. And then you have the stakes are a lot higher because the number of rare, the, the number of of game of toys that are probably worth 
four figures and more is a lot more than video games overall in proportion, right? Probably, probably. And then you have the counterfeiters, and you probably have hoarders just the same, right? There's probably a guy out there. There's probably a guy out there that has thirty Star Wars twelve back Luke Skywalker figures. By the way, what twelve back is a number of figures on the back of the car. Yes, yes. There <laughs> was the there was a story yeah. about a guy that I saw online a year or so ago where he was trying to make it his mission to buy every single vintage Ram Man figure in existence. I have no idea why, but this dude just bought... Every time he found a Ram Man, he bought it. He wanted to own every Ram Man that was produced, which is probably impossible because there are so... Like, those He-Man figures were so, you know... Even loose ones from the from That's the what he wants. Early 80s? He just wants... Well, like... Yeah, he just wants... He just has tons of loose Ram Man action figures. I don't know why, but it's like... So did that, did that, cause, did that cause the price no, to go up on eBay no, for a while? No, no. Oh, there's just too many of them. There's too many matter. of them. It doesn't matter. You know? Yeah. I don't know now why... Back- I don't know if he was just doing it for attention or to be funny. I have no idea. It was so now you're bringing back Now you're bringing back bad memories, because Ram Man was one I always wanted as a kid and never got. Oh. And whenever I saw... Whenever I went to a, a friend's house, they always had that. Because Ram Man was cool, because he was the only one with that shape where the legs were together, right? And he, he stuck him in and he, and he sprung out. It was a cool idea. <laughs> he didn't have the same body as everybody else. Everybody else had like that same basic body. But getting back to the counterfeiting real quick, because I want to get into another issue where I want to see I want to see how prevalent it is. Because my cousin, going back to the Star Wars, even said that there's there's like different situations now where people are making the they're they're being careful when they counterfeit the mint on card figures that they're weathering the cars to make it look like they're not making them perfect so like it looks like it's a used old toy. That's still dedication right there. That is crazy. I haven't encountered that because, personally, but I don't I don't like not believe you. Like that's crazy. <laughs> and then and then also this was this is the scariest part where there's a guy out I think it's Italy has a bunch of new old stock card backs, real card backs. Oh. I'm not sure if they're I'm not sure if they're the tri logo ones where it's three languages or they're or not. So it's a debate now where if you take an original card back and you piece it with the real figure and then you put a bubble on it. I'm not sure. He might, he might have the bubbles too. He might actually have the real bubbles too. You can buy those. You can buy those bubbles on like eBay. <laughs> what, what I'm saying though, he might have the original bubbles though too separately. So what happens then? In theory, if you can construct an, an old toy from all old, old parts, but you construct it in modern age, that's not a counterfeit. What is it? How do you define that? How do you price that? How do you disclose that? It's so weird to think about. If I have an old Luke Skywalker card that's authentic, an authentic figure and bubble, and you just you just seal that with glue or heat gun on there, what do you what do you call that? I that How the, what the fuck do you do? That's yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> that's totally like out of the. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not into toy collecting anymore. To that extent, it's nuts. Yeah, I just find whatever shit I found at the flea market. There you go. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what what about finding toys at the flea market? I mean, I, in the past even three, four years, it's gotten a lot harder for me. Every once in a while, I'll still find some uh, Transformers figures. Uh, but it, gone are the days where, like, five years ago, I think you probably saw it in one of my videos where I, I spoke about it, where, like, I found a bunch of carded G.I. Joe figures for, like, 10, 20 each from, like, the mid to late 80s, and I bought, like, 30 of That's them. That's awesome. For, like, $300. Like, those days are, are gone yeah, probably they, forever. Pretty much. Um, well, so I don't have, like... I don't really have flea markets where I live, which is kind of crazy. So I don't really have that. And I've never garage really sales? done flea markets. Yeah, there's some garage sales and stuff. You never find that kind of stuff at garage sales. Not around here anymore. Um, there's some toy shows still that I go to, like St. Louis and Chicago. 
um, both have a lot of toy shows, so I, I try to make the trip because I'm kind of I live in between those two cities basically. Um, but my favorite one I go to every year is up in Chicago. It's like the Kane County Toy Show, and it's basically they put it on fairgrounds, and it's basically a flea market that's nothing but toy dealers, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great, um, and you can usually find all kinds of cool stuff there. But I mean, like you know, we live in an age now where people know what things sell for. You know, these guys aren't just like ran you know like like flea market people who came across some stuff they're trying to get rid of these are toy dealers so they know what their stuff's sure. worth and they sell it but it's still a lot of fun and that's actually where i i prefer to do a lot of my toy shopping like for me outside of like the stuff i buy to do videos of like i i love going to that show without really a plan or an agenda and just seeing what i come across at those shows which is kind of what i started doing the toy hunting videos on well get into your videos so i'm just curious about how it, this is like I'm obviously used to the video game collecting world. Is it similar with the toy collecting world where they'll just price off eBay and then give you a slight discount, or do you know that if the stuff sit on eBay that it's hard to move those Star Trek Next Generation figures, you know, even for a dealer? Do they know that they just got to get rid of it since they have so? Yeah, I think there's a mixture of both of those kinds of dealers at these shows, really, and you can tell just by going into the booths which is which, because um, there's always going to be those guys who have like the super rare Ninja Turtles figures that came out at the very end of that line that are a lot more scarce, and they know that, so they're pricing them accordingly. Like the same that I could like, because I uh, the last toy show, for example, I came across a guy who like. Every Turtles figure he had was like an end run turtle figure from that last wave, which is all kind of expensive. And he the ones that, the ones I text you about when I find them at the flea market. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like the prices on all of them were like I was looking at them going, Oh, this is amazing. Like I'm holding these figures in my hand, I don't see them very often. But then I, I hop on eBay and I'm looking, they're selling for the exact same price or even less than that on eBay. So it's one of those things where I'm like, Well, it's cool to see these but I definitely don't need to buy these from here because if I really, you know, eBay's a better option sometimes. So Is that a negotiating talent? You go, you go hey, absolutely. listen, dude, you're the same price. Can you give me like 20% off of this and it's cash in your hand? Absolutely. you say that to them? Oh, absolutely. And you got to negotiate. I mean, that's kind of one of those things. I, I do that all the time. I try to bundle some toys or, or basically just throw out a number. I don't try to undercut people too bad. But, yes, if it's something that I can look up on eBay and see it's the same price, that's a great tactic to say, well, what if you knock off – 10 bucks on this. Otherwise I can just get it here, you know, for the same price. So what do, what do viewers get out of your toy hunting, uh, show like why do they enjoy watching them what what would you think I, I the thing that people like about those videos is seeing the toys themselves up like on display cuz you there's all kinds of crazy stuff at those toy shows and i it's amazing because I am still, after all these years, discovering things that I have never seen before or that I completely forgot about. And I th- I kind of wanted to pass that enjoyment onto the viewers with those videos. So that's what I like to do is basically just show off the crazy and the unique things that I'm finding at those shows. Um, do you remember that show Toy Hunter that was on TV for a while? Yeah, he actually was out of New Jersey, I thought, right? Yes, I think so. Jordan Hembro is his name. So I didn't I wasn't a huge fan of that show, and it's not anything against Jordan or anybody. It's it's because of this the way what TV is now and the what channels want. That show focused on the money aspect of things, what things are worth, what they're selling for. I wanted to see the toys, and I wanted to know, you know, see the stuff he was actually finding. I didn't care about the worth. So I kind of tried to do the opposite thing with my stuff. I tried to focus on the fun stuff. Was that controversial in the toy collecting community? That show, yeah. Did it did it expose the hobby, or or did was did some see him as unethical, trying to rip off some people, or what, what was the thought about that show when it came out? Well, I think a lot of people 
so it's it's weird. It's it, you got the two sides kind of thing because I think a lot of just general toy fans still liked the show because it was still a show about toys on TV, which is pretty uncommon. And I think a lot of people just like seeing that. But there were, you know, there was a lot of people in the community who didn't really like the money stuff. They thought the whole thing felt fake and staged, which it, it I mean, it's a reality show. It's not really well, real. You know what I it's, mean? It's, it's tough, right? I remember the one episode I saw, he, he found the, uh, you know, what the hell was it? The Star Wars, the sit-down um, speeder bike. Okay, yeah. The, the, the toddler speeder bike. Not many of those are out there. Right. So in order to just stumble upon that, even with contact, might be tough. So maybe if it's pre-set up, who knows? It's reality. You know, but it's it's one of those things where, yeah, you'll never see – I've never even seen that in person, that little see, toy speeder and, bike. And that's the stuff you know. that I do like about those, when you get to see stuff like that. And that's – that's the kind of stuff I wanted to capture for my toy hunting videos. So that's kind of what I go for. I, I try to look for fun, unique things, and I share that with the viewers. I'm, I'm eBaying it. Pedal, speed, or bike. Let's <laughs> see if they actually come up for sale. I have a, I have a, uh, you know, those bouncy horses that toddlers ride on with the springs, like those old ones that were out in the 80s. I have a Battle Cat, one of those. From Are you serious? I am serious. That existed? It did, and it's amazing. <laughs> I, it's, it's in my son's room. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. So that cool. is fantastic. Or, 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 um, or um, well, not Power Wheels. Uh, or, or the, or the, what the hell were the tri-bikes called? The Big Wheels. Oh, the are Big, big Wheels, wheels going to come back? Uh, are I they going to come back, you I think? think there are. Big, aren't there? Big wheels still out there? I just saw. I just saw. I just saw a car commercial with a girl on a on a big wheel. I think I the, the green machine is still out. Like which was basically a big wheel, right? The green machine. I'm looking online right now. Oh, they have them. 16 inch uh, big wheel or Disney cars, fifty dollars. Yeah. So they still make. They them. still make that there's stuff. A, yep. There's the original one I had as a kid, secondhand. <laughs> the one with the blue. Red, it was it was the yellow, red, and blue one. That's the original one. There it is. They still make up. God, I wish I had kids maybe almost. See? Look, so at, buy them look at you. This is the dangers of toy collecting right there. Look at all that stuff. You're remembering things. You're That's looking them up. That's the original big wheel. The big wheel racer. <laughs> yeah. Adjustable seat. Blue seat. It's red and has the yellow. Mine was beat to hell, though. Then again, I, I had the original one. My friends had the Knight Rider one. They had the G.I. Joe one with the water gun on it. So I had the shitty one we got at the garage sale. Of course, a lot of my a lot of my toys were from garage sales. The only the only way I had a Castle Grayskull was from it was, it was secondhand at a garage sale. Oh yeah, but when you buy but when you buy it in like 1985, 86, it's only like five years old by then, right? Four years exactly. old, exactly. So it's not that old, right? So it's it's a different time. I wonder if that's the same way with toys now, where you buy stuff, you go to a garage sale, you see stuff that's five years old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see stuff. It's weird because I think too many people just use eBay and stuff now. They don't throw their toys out of garage sales anymore. Yeah, I don't want a big wheels. I don't want to grow up with <laughs> Toys R Us kid. Um, so you talked about the 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 reaction and to a show on TV like um like Toy Hunter. What was the you were one of the pioneers of doing toy reviews online and covering it. Um, how have you seen the the genre evolve in your time, and how have you grown along with it since 2008? Um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things. When I first started doing it, I was one of the only people doing it at the time, or you know, focusing specifically on toys. And now there are so many toy channels out there, and. I, okay, so the the biggest majority of toy channels out there these days are all aimed at the younger audience, mostly like the toddler age stuff or even younger, and that seems to be where all the views are at these days, which is nuts. I mean, you look at some of these these videos that kind of focus on like the preschool 
era, the preschool age toys, those are all, all of those videos are like millions of views all the time. It's nuts. And it's because they're targeting these kids who just, they flip on YouTube on their mom or dad's phone and they just let it play and they'll watch the same video over and over and over again. I know because I have a three-year-old and I watch his, <laughs> I watch how he watches YouTube, so. But it's like seeing the toy. It's like almost as good as having it. Is that what it is? I guess so. And, you know, and that's kind of what they do. Like, those videos don't really review the toys. I mean, they're basically playing with the toys on camera, and kids like watching that. It's, it's like having a YouTube playmate, almost. It is. Interesting. It's, like, it's, it's a YouTube babysitter is what it is, unfortunately, for, for a lot of people, I think. I think they just let their kids go on YouTube and watch all this stuff, and it keeps them occupied. And those are monetized channels. They make serious coin just playing with toys? Definitely. And I don't want to, like, throw them all under the bus and say they're all terrible <laughs> because I, I, I've, I know some of the people who run those channels. And some of them do an actual real job. They do a lot of work. They actually work with the toy companies and, and produce decent content. But there is a lot of channels out there who are only there to basically game the system as best as they can and get all those views, monetize those videos. And it's, it's just, I, sometimes I watch those videos because my son flips and flips them on. And I just get so mad when I see these videos with like 3 million views and all they did was turn on a camera and throw some slime on top of some toys and make some funny noises. When I like put so much work and effort into my stuff, it's like, that's so You're actually frustrating. Trying to edu- yeah. Educate about how the toys exactly. made, the articulation and I of spend, joints. I spend hours <laughs> taking photos and editing my videos and editing my photos and putting this stuff up. And, you know, my, vi- my videos do fine, but they don't do millions of views <laughs> fine all the time. And it's just, it's not frustrating, to, you know. Not enough to quit your day job, right? Exa- exactly. There. Yeah, exactly. I've been doing this for 10 years and it's still a second job, basically, to my day job, but. It's still a glorified hobby. Yeah, there you go, glorified hobby, which is fine. I still love doing it, and I'm thankful for what I've got with it. So, so do you ever feel the urge to try to cash in on the crazes and try to get those million of views, or you're like, nah, you feel dirty it's doing like, that? It's like, yeah, I feel dirty doing it. And I've definitely done some um, – I, I don't want to say that I haven't tried to do some like trendy stuff before because I've definitely – you know, I, I, I see the trend sometimes. And, and if there's certain things that I'm like, well, I could probably do something like that, but I'll do it my way or do it better and I'll, and I'll try it out. Um, but I was like, okay, so like the slime stuff, the slime stuff is so huge right now. It's super weird, but it's mostly just like, like I just ex- explained to you. It's like, they take just random it's a toys. Genre. Yeah. A genre. Yeah. It's nuts. It's just, it's and like Spencer, my son sees them all the time and he loves it. He's always like, let's play with slime because these guys are playing with slime on YouTube. And it's to the point now where toy companies are noticing that. And if you walk into like, um, Walmart or Toys R Us, they're setting up displays up in the front of the store with all their slime toys on it. Or, you know, like, make your own slime kits and stuff like that because it's popular on YouTube right now, and they know that. It's crazy. So, wow. Before that, you go back to the Ninja Turtles when they, when they sold the ooze in the can, right? Yes. Otherwise, that was the only time we ever had slime as a kid. Right, exactly. And even that, I think they took, they took off the market fairly quickly, didn't they? I mean, like, I mean I had, there was slime with turtles. There was slime with He-Man because there was a slime pit, which is one of my favorite play sets. So there's, there's a lot of, there was a lot of random toys that had slime. And, you know, so I started doing videos on some of those, like vintage toys that have slime. I do that every October. It's my Halloween theme. And so I've been, so I, 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 I do the 13 days of Halloween and I do 13 slime toy reviews where I basically take these vintage toys that had a slime gimmick and I review the toy and show the gimmick. 
And those were like doing really well for me. And that was right before the slime boom. And now everybody is doing these crazy slime videos. And it's seriously, it's like, I feel like it's stolen my, <laughs> my views. Thunder. Yeah, I was like, I was the slime guy. <laughs> you, you were the slime king. You're, you were too ahead of your time. You're like Tesla, yeah, man. Yeah, I was ahead of my except, time. Except, except creating, instead of creating electricity and, you know, and, and you know, Wi-Fi back in 1908, you're just doing slime reviews. <laughs> playing, with, playing with the slime pitter. So, yeah. so I was going to ask if, if how, how YouTube and toy reviews has affected the industry. And you just gave me a prime example. More slime toys. Yeah, it has. It's is, crazy. Is that, is that the main uh, way you've seen it? get changed or cater towards a YouTube market? Also the blind bag toys. Have you noticed in stores that there's a ton of toys that come in the blind bags these days? I don't know if you if you know what I'm talking about with a blind bag toy. But uh, are, they, are, they, are they sort of like chance toys where you buy something you don't know you what don't you're going to get? You don't know what you're going to get, yeah. And everybody... It's almost, it's almost like the coin machines. You put a coin in, you turn the thing, you get a pop bubble and you open it up. Essentially. But yeah, they're, they're just like little bags and there's like usually a minifigure inside of some sort and there's like every company has jumped on the blind bag bandwagon and it's because opening blind bags on videos has become very popular on YouTube. That's good. Let's promote gambling to three-year-olds. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's actually fucking fantastic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're actually, because a lot of those toys are a lot cheaper than an action figure for the most yes. part, you they, know? So they've, had them, they've had them in Japan for yeah, years. Yeah, they're kind of like, like a good box, impulse yeah. buy item, and they're really easy yeah. for parents to go, okay, that's like four bucks compared to the $12 that most action figures are now, so I'll buy a couple of these blind bags for my kids. So, But then you might get one you don't want. You might go, oh, I don't want that one. you got to buy another that's one. The and, then maybe yep. and, and then maybe there's a chase figure. That if there's one out of 30, and then you, your kid ends up buying 20 of them. Exactly. Yes, that's the downfall. <laughs> so you gotta bring got to bring a freaking x-ray machine into the store to see which one has what. Man, that's why you, people always rip them open. You always see them opened up in stores. It's bad. No, I, that, I am against that. I hate I'll, that. I'd rather, I'd rather search for that one April O'Neil figure out of the 30 Ninja Turtles, you know, in 1989. Right. You know, do that. Remember that? How hard it was to find April O'Neil? I remember that. And now she's she's the one that you always find at toy shows now. Nobody ever wants to buy poor April anymore. <laughs> oh, the, the, the first edition one? Yeah, well, she was definitely the harder one to find because she had a ton of variants in that line too, which is crazy. Was... Yeah, but that first that first edition one, I remember, I remember specifically – because when I went to see Ninja Turtles with, with my dad in 1989, and the line wrapped around, we said, screw it, we're going to go to Toys R Us. And I remember walking to Toys, Toys R Us, turning right, and, the, and the, the Ninja Turtles were right up front because I knew they were popular. And on the whole wall, there was one April O'Neil up above, Ooh. and that was it. Just the one. Yep. So I knew it that even as an as a, as a eight-year-old, nine-year-old that it was rare. Well, you know, you know why they did that, right? That Because was... no one wanted it. No one wanted a girl figure. Exactly. Boys didn't want to play with a girl figure. That was a big mantra of the toy companies for a long time. But, that's that really... was, but I don't think that was correct. I think that was correct. Yeah, though. I know. That's been, a, that's been a big subject of debate the last several years. Toy companies are just now finally like starting to put out female figures more often in, in boys' boys' toy lines. <laughs> well, but I think because they didn't realize that girls play with them too, man, not to the same extent. Yes. But, like, for example, going back to, like, G.I. Joe, I would have loved a uh, – I always wanted, like, a Baroness figure. Uh, I always wanted, like, a Lady J. I oh, had yeah. probably had a crush on Lady J. You know? So, like, these are characters that are on the show a lot. Scarlet. Uh, you know, Cover Girl, not so much. And that's really it for female G.I. Joe's besides Jinx. Anyway. But um, I wanted a Baroness figure. Had they... You know, back in the 80s, they only made G.I. Joe figures for, like, two years. They made the same one, and they stopped. Uh, they, you know, they basically had a crossover one year, new ones, one year, new ones. Mm-hmm. Um so I would have bought those figures as a kid. I would have wanted a Lady J figure. 
my friends had it. So I always think that was that was fallacious. Yeah. Um, April O'Neil, maybe a little different. Not so much an action star as G.I. Joe, but right. yeah, I still, I still remember. I walked away. My dad bought me Splinter that day. Raphael, my favorite figure, and Casey Jones, which was probably the coolest figure back then because he had the duffel bag to put the, yeah. the, bat, the bat and the hockey stick with. But uh, I wasn't talking about April O'Neil figures anyway. Yeah. Just, I, just as an aside. We we're, we're just talking toys. <laughs> new, new, new podcast, Talking Toys, Pat and Dan. There you go. <laughs> so so the slime genre is big now. Slime's big. The, the, how about those, the genre where I think you told me, like, you just take a toy that you already have and just put it in, like, an egg or Play-Doh? Yeah, the just, Play-Doh just eggs to, were just huge. Just so you, you surprise the three-year-olds and they don't know what's inside? Is exactly, that how it works? yeah. So they ba- basically they just put toys, it, any random toys, inside of colorful Play-Doh that they molded into eggs, and then they would just open up these Play-Doh eggs and pull the toy out, and that's the whole video. So they they essentially made their own little blind bag egg toys but that was a massively popular genre on youtube until probably about just this year it's just now kind of like seeing its decline in popularity it's crazy kids just tired of it attention's moving on to the new next thing i guess yeah what's it what's a new thing dan come on i want to get you i want you to blow up here i want you to get millions of subscribers here what's it i don't i don't know i can't that's the thing i feel like i can never catch that magic (laughs) are are you gonna dress your wife up in an elsa outfit you're gonna be (laughs) spider-man Is well, that what you're gonna do, Dan? funny that you bring that up because we Why totally. Why did you talk about that? What the hell? And you told me about this genre a year ago, and I thought you were, I thought you were shitting me. Man, I just no. That's a okay. So of all the kids stuff that's targeting kids, there there's actually a lot of stuff that's super inappropriate, which I think YouTube is finally cracking down on, thankfully. But there's a ton of people like one of the popular genres. I guess is a genre. Genre is whatever reason it is having a, a woman dressed up like Elsa, some dude wearing a Spider-Man costume from Frozen, Elsa from Frozen, a dude in a Spider-Man costume, and basically just running around and I don't know. Usually there's poop involved in the video somehow, um, syringes and like like I don't know why syringes were like a thing for a minute and like surgery stuff and like what? it's just the stuff that yes, it's the stuff that looks so super inappropriate for kids, but they were like everybody was like trying to jump on the bandwagon and copy it and they were all like dressing up like Elsa and Spider Man or putting Elsa and Spider Man toys in their videos to capitalize on this crazy popularity. It's the dumbest thing. They still are. Six million subscribers. It's called Monster Toy or Toy Monster. Spider Man and Frozen Elsa find a baby with Joker Pink Spider Girl <laughs> S- Superman Catwoman Fun in Real Life. That's the title of the video. I was, when I was with uh, Norm, I was telling this to Norm, uh, the gaming historian, our buddy, last time I was hanging out with him, and I, I was like, look at these. And I pulled them up. We found videos called like Double Pregnant Elsa and stuff like that. And it's it's insane. So it's funny that you talked about me dressing my wife up like Elsa because I totally parodied those videos for April Fool's Day this year. And I made her wear an Elsa wig and I wore a Spider-Man mask and we just did a really, really stupid parody, which nobody watched. <laughs> so it, probably, it didn't catch the algorithm. Get it. You know, you, yeah. The three-year-olds came to there and, and said, whoa, this isn't what I was expecting. No, this, yeah. is, a, this is a 10-minute short film with no dialogue. And, and then, okay, Snow White shows up and they're holding a baby doll. This is insane, but like yes. you said, I think I think their their ride is over because I think uh, Google came out a couple weeks ago, basically saying we're going to start tr- uh, cracking down on copyright infringement of characters. In this That's case, good. these are both Disney characters, Elsa and Spider Man. Yeah. Um, so I don't think this video is monetized. 
Yeah, that's always kind of been my biggest thing with those, is I never understood how they got away with it for so long, because that is, like, you know, it, you can't just show up somewhere dressed like Spider-Man and, like, promote yourself as Spider-Man. You know, like, if, if, if a fundraiser or something is going to bring in Spider-Man, you actually have to have, like, a Marvel-licensed, like, costumer to show up at these things. So I never understood how people could just dress up like Spider-Man and call themselves Spider-Man and make money off of it, you know? It's, it's... It's crazy. I don't know. I just I just commented, Pixel Dan was right. This is freaking crazy. <laughs> oh, so good. by the time you hear this, go to the Spider-Man and Frozen Elsa Find a Baby video and comment. Because most of the comments are just LOL, best YouTube channel, wow. Oh, magic video, thank you for sharing. And a bunch of stuff that's incoherent. Who are who's watching these videos? Well, okay, look, and and I see a lot of people talking about the YouTube algorithm and stuff like that in the gaming community and how things are getting hurt. Stuff like this is what's stealing all the views in the toy community, and this is the kind of stuff. This that isn't I've been even going a toy against. video, though. I know the Joker shows the- up and, and and kidnaps Elsa. Yep, but those are getting all, those are taking all of the, like, for whatever reason, the YouTube algorithms shove those things right up in the front. That's what gets suggested on freaking every video that goes out. It's insane. So, I hope they go away. (laughs) I'm just trying to get into the mind of the people making these videos. They're they're like, well, maybe we do plays in the park on the weekends. This is how we can make money with 6 million views. Some of those videos are just bonkers. Like, I don't know. It's insane. No, I'm watching. It's insane. Like, a Superman shows up on a, on a swing. Like, now me tell, this is me promoting it. Like, telling you how insane this is to watch. But I want you to, <laughs> like I said, when you told me this was a genre, I couldn't believe it. Like, yep. It, it's, but then again, I'm old. I'm not three. I don't know what's popular. You know, Harley Quinn's in this too, probably, at some point. Oh, you of know. course. Why? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so if I'm Disney, of course, I'm like, what the hell is this? It kind of tarnishes the brand a little bit, you know. I guess I guess they want to, you know, they want to think that kids like babies and Elsa and Spider Man. Oh, how's the fidget spinners? How's that affected the toy community? Oh, so that's that's well, that's one of the big trends right now, and I've really noticed that lately because every video that my son comes across, they they just have fidget spinners in the thumbnail picture. And there's just random fidget spinners in the videos. And sometimes they're not even about fidget spinners. They're just like, here's fidget spinners, just to catch the, the I don't know, the algorithm, I guess. I don't know. And, you know, and it's like one of those things, like I see a lot of people complain about those. Um, I don't really care about, I think they're, they're fine for what they are. I'm not uh, upset that kids like them. It, it's just like the pog fad that we went through or anything like that. Oh, you went through that. I stayed away from that. Yeah. <laughs> No, I had a ton of pogs. I knew that was stu- <laughs> I knew that was stupid when I was twelve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fads happen. It's it's whatever. Milk but, caps. Yeah, pogs is the pogs is the brand name. Milk caps yes. is a generic, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. Yes. I, I think that was probably probably bigger on the West Coast. By the time we got to the East Coast, like hacky sack, we got things a little later. It's like nah, this hacky is not sack. Good. Hacky sack. Yeah, everybody was playing hacky sack when I was in like high school. How was it? How? What about Nerf? Nerf sort of had a resurgence, right? Nerf was big in the eighties and to mid nineties, and then went away, I think, and then came back with a, with a fury, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Nerf is huge right now, still. And there's a ton of really cool Nerf guns out there. In fact, I noticed the other day I was in the store and I noticed that Super Soakers are back and they're under the Nerf banner. Even so they bought it out soakers. from Laramie. So, is that what happened? Yeah, the Laramie and, and Hasbro. Something? Hasbro owns Nerf too, so I guess it's all Hasbro stuff now. Ebro, evil um, Hasbro buying everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything's pretty much Hasbro or Mattel, I guess, in some form. But that, that's Pat saying, <laughs> not Pixel Dan. Don't blackball Pixel Dan. I can say that. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm friends with all of those guys. I work closely with those companies. So, <laughs> so, so, but when, when we were kids, Nerf was mainly they had like just the handgun, and they had the bow and arrow for guns, right? Yeah, yeah. That's basically what they had. And of course, they had the boomerang that didn't work. The you know the triangular boomerang from the eighties. Right. I'm not sure they brought back like that because it never worked. That, you couldn't even throw it. But now they have like sniper rifles, Gatling guns, shotguns, crossbows, and they don't go yep. like like the bow and arrow. You could maybe shoot it like twenty to twenty five feet, maybe yeah. thirty feet. Now I see these advertised. They shoot like a hundred and fifty feet. These <laughs> Nerf guns. You can like kill someone. You know, like, it's amazing, the technology. People tell me they go to, like, uh, like conventions, they have, like, nerf fights with these guns and stuff. I'm picturing, like, the, I'm picturing, like, the, you know, airport security rifling through this stuff. I'm like, what the hell is this? Oh my I just think it's amazing. I think this goes back to, like, the man-child factor where, yeah, like, I would love to own all these nerf guns. And I have, hell, I, I have a few from the swap meet. I have the sniper rifle. I found it for, like, five nice. bucks. Of course I bought that thing. But I just, I, it's just amazing that this stuff comes back around. The, the, the technology has gotten to the point where, like, if we were kids with this stuff, we would have never probably grown up. So now we want to become kids again and go back into it. Totally, totally. You know, that's one of my favorite things about Toy Fair, actually, is getting to see all that kind of stuff. Because, uh, you know, like, I, I do a big focus. I mean, my channel, I focus on a lot of vintage toys, but I do a lot of newer toys, too. And it's mostly, like, collector-driven. So I do a lot of stuff that appeals to kind of, like, our generation. But some stuff appeals, appeals to kids, too. Like, Ninja Turtles is still very hot right now. And I do a lot of Ninja Turtles videos. And, and I get a lot of kids watching my channel because of that. But uh, regardless of the things that I do videos on, I just love the toy industry. And when I go to New York Toy Fair, one of my favorite things is getting to see stuff like that. Like, all the crazy Nerf guns that are out there. Or just, like, walking around and seeing all the cool, new, trendy stuff that they're trying to come out with for kids now. And that's just, like, super exciting to me. I guess it's hard to always know what's on the horizon because, like, fidget spinners came out of nowhere, right? Like, yeah, it ex- yeah. It had existed for a long time, right? Like, t- over 10 years. You know, the original lady, what, didn't re-up her, her patent, so she lost that. So now anyone can I make know. them. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I read about that. I thought that was kind of a bummer. So the creator's <laughs> not making a dime off of this craze. I mean, she's selling her own fidget spinners, but... You know, the idea anyone can make them. Hasbro, Mattel can make their own, right? So it's it's just one of those things. Yeah, they're everywhere, and they're all called Fidget Spinner. Like, there's no, like, trademark name. You know, there's no, like, official Fidget Spinner. They all just, they're all called that. So uh, I, I guess, do is the fact that, like, someone like you, you're not doing Pregnant Elsa Spider-Man videos. <laughs> you're doing serious, you know, like, 20, people in the 20s, 30s, and 40s are watching your videos, right? They want to know about, you know, vintage Ninja Turtle stuff, G.I. Joe stuff, and the new stuff that comes out, which you're going to get into. Yes. So is this just not – maybe it's the same with retro games. The market isn't as big as people that want to follow new uh, stuff for kids or modern uh, games where it's a much bigger audience. Yeah, it's exactly that because that's that's kind of the – weird niche thing that I'm in, and I think also why my views aren't always as, you know, reflective of some of those kids' videos. Because when I do videos that are more open to the modern kid generation, like when I review the Ninja Turtles stuff, that always performs way better because I'm appealing to the younger audience who's watching that new Ninja Turtles cartoon on TV and maybe buying those toys. When I review 
Masters of the Universe Classics figures, for example, which is like the modern He-Man toy line that's aimed specifically at collectors, the views aren't as big on those because I am specifically... Like, the people watching those videos are the 30- and 40-year-olds. You know what I mean? That are collecting those toys. And so the market is... I mean, I can see it. I I can see... I mean, I know my views aren't exactly like the measuring stick for everything, but there's a there, you can see the difference between when I review something that's a kid's property versus something that's aimed at a collector. And it seems like I guess it hasn't translated. So when like a new GI Joe line comes out or new He-Man figures, it's the thirty and forty year olds that are buying the newer ones, right? Yes. Because there's not a He-Man show for little kids, right? When, exactly. When they, when they rebooted He-Man a few years ago, that was that was an adult cartoon, right? Well, so, I mean, they, they tried to get kids with that one. It just didn't work for. <laughs> That that cartoon didn't last. It failed. That was 2003. That was a long time ago already, which is nuts. Was it the reboot? Oh, my God. 2003. I remember, <laughs> I remember when they announced that, people were like, oh, my God, it's He-Man is back. And I'm like, He-Man's back? Well, now they're trying to do a movie, apparently, but I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> uh, what's wrong with the Dolph Lundgren one from, from Canon Films? I like it. <laughs> It's. I like it. For I what remember. It is. <laughs> I as a kid, I remember not being interested. I was like, "What the hell? This is like space sci-fi." <laughs> I'm like, "What the hell?" He's, I remember. My, I remember the kid at his birthday party had the, the sword, the, the toy laser sword. It made the sound. Remember? Yep. Yep. I remember that. I was like, "This is not my He-Man." I knew that's, that as a kid. That's not my He-Man. <laughs> and these GI Joe movies can suck it. That just came out. Oh man, that's funny. What about those new Ninja Turtle movies? You love those. <laughs> I haven't seen them actually, but I say this: out of all these movies I've come out, at least the Transformers one had actual Transformers that could resemble the cartoon ones. At least the Ninja Turtles were Ninja Turtles. The GI Joe, which was my favorite toy in, in cartoon ever, the GI Joe movies almost resembled the the, the the cartoon and comic book not at all, and like not at all. Yeah, I and, get I, that. and I did not have the heart to even be. I remember how everyone was pissed off at the Transformer movies when they came out. The G.I. Joe movies weren't even close to the toys. Like, not even. Everyone wore in black. Uh, they, you know, they all wore the same outfits. They yep. didn't have their specialties. It was like, you know, Duke was a, you know, a, a stripper. You yeah. know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Magic Mike right there. <laughs> Magic Mike. As, it's not my Duke, damn it. The Baroness and Duke used to date. You know, yeah. it's like, what? No. Yeah, no, that's not, that's not G.I. Joe. That's not. Anyway, we're getting off topic there. So... So in terms of like, you know, you talk about the toy fair and going to the toy shows, you do a lot of interviewing of, of you know, of people that are making these new toys coming out. You, you, hell, at Comic-Con, your face is now plastered at the at the Mattel booth, right? You're up there because you review you review some of the He-Man stuff and they, and they respect that. You've gotten in with the with the. The toy developers. How, was that a surprise that happened? Or yeah, that's well. That that was cool because it just kind of happened organically as I started doing stuff. And Mattel was actually the first company that ever gave me that opportunity um, because back in 2008, when that new He-Man line first launched, that was kind of when I decided to branch out and do more than just from pixels to plastic. Because I was so excited about the new He-Man toys, I was like, I'm going to start doing videos on these new He-Man toys as they come out. Well, once I started doing that, I caught the attention of uh, Mattel, basically. Because like uh, He-Man.org, which is like the big He-Man fan website, um, they started posting my videos on the front page of the site. And that, you know, eventually Mattel was basically like, they reached out to me and they were like, if we started sending you the figures before they come out, 
would you be interested in still doing these videos? And that's kind of how I, yeah. <laughs> You're like, and what? So, yeah. So at the time, you know, I mean, this is, I was still brand new to doing this. So that was just like, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. And so that's kind of where I started, um, you know, first really working with an actual toy company in the industry. And that was what, what kind of started getting my foot in the door there. Um, so yeah, I, I had this really great opportunity that was kind of thrust upon me. And, you know, I fully admit that I was kind of a, I was a rookie at the time. I had never really done that before. I was straight up fanboy who suddenly was thrust into this position of like working alongside a toy company. And it was just the thing where like all that, all that it was was they sent me a review sample and then I would do a video on it. So it's not like they were paying me for reviews or anything like that, but I got the perk of getting the toy before it was actually released. And so that kind of became like this big thing, which was really cool because like the community really, really supported me. And they were like always excited to see my video on the new figure because they got a good look at the toy before it was released. And that's kind of what just blossomed into everything else I started doing, which was really Would cool. Would you say, were you one of the first toy reviewers to get that sort of connection with the, with the developers, producers um, to say like, I think, sample figures? I think I was one of the early ones. Yes. And I specifically remember that being the source of some of the first um, like beef I ran ran into with some of the other other toy reviewers out there was there jealousy that you were the chosen one and they yeah, weren't and and it's kind of <laughs> one of those things and i don't even fault them for it because i i've become really good friends with most of them now plus i've i've earned you know like i, I think i earned a lot of respect the longer i did this and people realized i was you know the real deal and not just some kid off the street you know but it's that it's that um it's that turf war thing you know like when you're you're kind of doing that and then some dude just walks in and and suddenly they're getting the attention and you kind of feel that that you know, like what's, who's this guy on my turf? So I kind of attributed it to that. You know, it was kind of one of those things. Well, I guess it's not too dissimilar with the retro gaming community, where there's a lot of infighting, there's a lot of jealousy, there's there's a sort of like this is my territory, don't step on it, sort of thing. Probably you, you, we don't and want I, you to get too big. And that was kind of one of those things. Like I, I only experienced that in the beginning. I think I'm pretty lucky now that I don't I don't have that problem at all. And I. I don't know. I get along with everybody and I go out of my way to be nice and talk to people. And, and that I think is part of the reason why I don't have any problems really. I think there's people out there that don't like me because whatever they just think I'm, they think I'm too happy or too, you know, like there's a lot of people that don't like me because I'm too upbeat or too happy and it's fine. It's, I don't expect everybody to love me. It's cool. <laughs> if people, if you are without detractors, then you're doing something wrong, in my opinion. Exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. Because people, at some point, people will be jealous of you or a hater because of your success yes. or the fact that you've been uh, been doing it for a long time or the fact that you're happy at what you're doing Absolutely. or just creating good content. So as far as I'm concerned, if someone doesn't like me, I'd rather have that versus – people everyone liking me because that means i'm not big enough to people that ever hate me i mean <laughs> you're not, yeah, uh, you know, you have, so yeah, yeah i want to be known enough that people hate me at least a little bit a know, little bit you know you've made it when you've got a hater right <laughs> yeah right that's what it is yeah exactly uh, and you're never going to avoid human drama whether it's youtube if you're a musician whether you're a dancer whether you work at taco bell there's always human drama and right, conflict yeah. when it comes in and there's always going to be people jealous of one another it's just the bottom line well you know and i'm not even saying that i'm like exempt from that because there's plenty of times where i see other guys doing videos that I feel like they're better than mine, and suddenly I'm a little jealous. I'm like, why is this person doing better than me? 
<laughs> you know? But we all feel that way sometimes. Oh, but you're not going to do like, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to do like a pixel dance of Fody, 10 reasons why. Yeah, exactly. Writing. Like, I'm not going to go badmouth anybody. I'm not going to, you know, but sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes you just feel that little sting. It just it happens. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. It's life, right? Yeah. I keep pushing you to quit your day job, but you push back. I want you to take that plunge. I know. Um. I would. I would. <laughs> I would love to do it, but gosh, I I think about that all the time. If I could dedicate all my time to just doing this, I get so much accomplished. I get, but it's it's scary for me because I have a I have a three year old, and that's that's my biggest thing. So I I want to make sure there's a safety net. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but sometimes you got to take a slight risk, my friend. I'm not going to push you right now too much, but hey, look who's writing on StarWars.com as a contributor. That's true. Pixel Dan. That's true. Yeah, that's that was kind of amazing when that opportunity. How did that came. happen? Oh man, so I think one of the 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 things that is always the most humbling to me is when somebody who's working like in what I would consider like higher or bigger or better places comes to me and says that they're a fan of what I do. That's always amazing to me when I hear that. And that's basically what happened here. Um, one of the editors at star Wars.com basically reached out to me one day and said, Hey, I'm a big fan of your videos. I've been watching you for a long time. I specifically like your He-Man stuff. <laughs> We have, you know, kind of an opening on StarWars.com for somebody to write about toys. Would you be interested in doing something like that? And that's how the discussion basically started. And um, so, yeah, I just do it's, – it's just a freelance gig, but it's like a, – it's a legit freelance gig, which is really cool. So, like, um, I, I get paid from Disney to write articles about Star Wars toys, which is – kind of one of those like moments like like the when i did my first article that appeared on starwars.com it was one of those things that like man that's one of those moments where you're like i wish i could go back in time and tell like 12 year old me (laughs) that i would get to officially contribute to star wars one day in some form and that's that's amazing yeah they say what the hell's the internet but after that all right cool (laughs) yeah this is fantastic yeah exactly so that's that's fun and it's it's very like you know it's a freelance gig so there's not like a lot of pressure on it it's kind of one of those things where, like, if I come up with an idea, I throw it to my editor. If he likes it, I write about it and I send it in. So it's Dan, cool. I, th- I think I think you're getting there, my friend. You, you, you got all this opportunity <laughs> open up right in front of you. It's right there. Next, we'll be talking about a book. Yeah, <laughs> a book. book. Look, we keep talking about that kind of. I would love to do a book of some sort. We'll have to make that happen. M- maybe that's going to be it, Dan. Maybe you do a Kickstarter. <laughs> And you see how much money they're raising. You're like, well, that's gonna that's gonna float me uh, doing a book for next so, year or so two. So, what kind of a toy book do you think we can do? Because let's talk about that for a second. Oh, now it's we. Well, I, how many well, books can okay, I do at no, one time? Just, I can I'm, do it. Okay, <laughs> I'm just meaning because you and I have talked about a, a toy book before. So there, there's a lot of toy books out there, and there's some guys who do some really cool toy guides, like action figure guides, like uh, Mark Belomo is pretty well known for his like Star Wars action figure guides and his Transformers guides. Um, Tomart you know, reviews of a, a G.I. Joe Tomart yeah, guy and stuff and like I'm, that. and I'm friends with a guy named um, Philip Reed, who's a relatively big name in the toy writing world, and he's written a lot of books on Star Wars toys and stuff like that. So there's a lot of toy guides out there. So, like, I feel like if I'm going to write a book, i got to find a way to, like, be different from all of we that. Spoke, we, we can't give it away. We've spoken about the idea. Yeah. We've spoken about it. 
We've that's, spoken about it, Dan. You know it's a you know it's a good idea, Dan. It's oh, whether or not it's just whether or not we have time to do it, make it a reality. We're gonna have to, we're gonna see each other next weekend, so we'll try to talk some more. I do know this, Dan. I ain't working with a part timer on a book. I do oh, you're gonna, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna drop that. You, you gotta you gotta show some so commitment, wait, to me, buddy. You so, gotta bring it. So so quit your job, or I'm not gonna work with you. That's <laughs> I'm gonna dangle that over your head. No, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Hey, hey, we won't get into the video game years, but working with part-timers in the video game years was rough. I'll just oh, say that. Oh, the video game years. I love, I love John and Lance, but let's just put it this way. I wish they, they didn't have a day job to produce that show. You know, we could have got it out quicker. But then again, the show made no money. They would have they been out of, you know, they'd be living on the street. Anyway. <laughs> Shout still out with to John me. and Lance. <laughs> Shout out to John and Lance. You're still with RetroWare TV technically, right? I guess technically. I don't really contribute there anymore. <laughs> Like, uh, but it's one of those things that, like, I Lance don't know. will kill like, me if I, I say I'm not. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't really affect me one way or the other. If I, you know, like, so, like, if I'm just like, oh, I don't work for RetroWare anymore, what, that doesn't really mean anything because I'm not, <laughs> I haven't contributed a video to them for a long time. But they were, like, the first website that kind of gave me a little break, I guess. And that was back in the, that was back in the days when websites hosting videos was a thing and it mattered, you know. Sure, Channel Awesome, uh, Screw Attack. Right, sure. right. So, like, when I first started doing From Pixels to Plastic, I think, it's funny, I think you and Norm actually talked about it when you talked to him. Like, me and Norm and, like, Ben Hall were, like, in the star in the screw attack forums we were like the guys whose like videos were like uh pinned to the tops of the forums all the time Whoa, right? yeah and that wow. was like that like that mattered though right that was like exciting to us and everything so it's really funny because that's where we all started and then we all ended up going over to retroware and like actually being part of retroware so that was that was kind of fun just because that was like my first like wow somebody cares about my stuff enough to like want to put it on their website and yeah, that's so. like me. I guess when I got uh, featured on game trailers, you know, I was a, a featured community yeah. host for the weekend. I was like, oh my god, ten thousand, twenty thousand people are watching my black box videos. You know, it's like holy shit. Sweet. Back in like two thousand nine, <laughs> you know. Um, speaking of, but speaking of video game years, you were one of the main contributors. I'd say along the big, the big contributors of that show were you, Eric, and me and Ian. Uh, we 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 by far had the most. Uh, number of recorded segments. Ian and I probably recorded for all but three or four. You probably recorded for all but a handful yeah. of segments. You know, like uh, what what made you or what drove you to to participate in that show so much was the fact that you liked the project. You liked you were tired of hearing me pressure you to do it. What, what, uh, what it? No, yeah, I, I thought the project sounded fun, and I was I was excited to be asked to be a part of something that could potentially be something big like i thought it was a great idea and i thought it was produced well and especially as as the show went along it got prettier and prettier looking you know what i mean i thought it was a well put together show and you know there was a lot of people involved in it and you guys got a lot of names in the community involved and it just was it felt cool to me to like just be one of the guys that was like helping to contribute to something that like so many people in the gaming community was like part of and um it was something a little different too. Like I love the toys, but I always love getting to branch out and do different things from time to time. And that was a nice little breakaway and still something that I like, you know, I still love games and I don't, (laughs) I don't do a lot with games on my channel. So I remember you fought to keep toys in the video game years. And I was like, I did fight to get toys in the video game years. That was my, that was my segment, bro. And and I remember John was like, well, we have to capture the toy vertical toys. Like John, the, the vertical, 
Stop with your fancy business talk. This is video game history. <laughs> I want when the video game years comes back, I'm gonna um I'm gonna ask that the toy segment be added back in and oh, I'm gonna Jesus. I'm gonna start a poll on the inter- <laughs> internet somewhere and see how many <laughs> Dan, don't go to war with me, Dan. I was oh, going to say, oh, we, oh. Would, we, would, we, would, we would pay contributors if the show came back. Came back. <laughs> Everyone would get paid. That'd be cool. Damn it, we weren't paid. I wasn't paid. You know? <laughs> but, um, um, it was fun. It was, it was fun. It was just one of those things where, unfortunately, no one watched it. Yeah, that was a bummer. It was a bummer. I wish it would have gotten more attention because I thought it was really well, well done. I thought you guys did a good job. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I'm sure me and John appreciate all the lost hours of our lives. Yeah, but (laughs) the the hundreds of hours of lost. Well, you know, I mean, it's one of those things, too. Sometimes we look at the view stuff and we get disappointed. But, uh, you know, there's still people come up to me at conventions and they say, I love the video game years. And, like, they bring that up to me. And that's always cool to hear that, you know. So... You just you, sometimes that you just got to take that for what it is. <laughs> well, you still have some great moments, like we're the ones singing the Star Wars song, and basically with the Ranker monster with the yeah, mouth and, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Or like when was it? Was it you and I that sang Pac Man Fever together? Like they oh, yeah, it so that you, we were. Yeah. <laughs> we have a fun. similar goofy ass personality. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I just have a little bit more of a meaner streak than you, but that's fine. No one should be as mean as I can be. Anyway. Um, so good. So, you, so you I guess your your the flagship show that you started with from from pixels to plastic. I spoke about you doing the opposite from plastic to pixels. So, yeah. finding video games that were based on a toy. Yeah, and doing that. So, talk talk about that a little bit. And, and you have plans to keep that going or, or to pursue that more. I do. Yeah. So that was just my way to, like, we were just kind of talking about doing something different. Like sometimes I just wanted. to... I wanted to challenge myself and try something different than I was already doing with all the toy stuff. And I still don't know if that was a good idea or a bad idea. Cause it's not like <laughs> it's, it's not like it's the super successful popular show, but I will say that I have a lot of fun making it. Um, because that's one that I, I do with Norm, the gaming historian, cause he doesn't actually live too far from me. So one time he was just like, we should get together and hang out. And I was like, what if we did this while we hung out? And he thought that was a really fun idea. So basically what we do in the show is we, we do the flip of what From Pixels to Plastic was. Because From Pixels to Plastic was my show where I talked about toys based on video games. So this show basically focuses on video games that are inspired by toy properties. So, you know, like, like the G.I. Joe games from the original NES. Or getting crazy obscure and talking about stone protectors from the Super Nintendo. Um, oh! Yeah. yeah. So games like that that are based on toy lines. And we kind of it's basically like a glorified Let's Play, right? Because we, mm-hmm. we sit down and we play the games without really playing them beforehand so that we can try to get some raw reaction and everything to it. But we also incorporate like tiny history segment on the toy line that it's based on, and then Norm kind of does his thing and does like a tiny history about the actual video game before we do the gameplay thing. So we, we did like a one season is what I called it, but it was like six episodes. We did that last summer. And actually, he and I just got together not too long ago, and we filmed six more episodes. So it's going to continue. I just have to start editing it and putting it together. You want to quit your day job, Dan? I have the solution. You talk <laughs> about Let's Plays. Why aren't you on Twitch doing Let's Plays of actual toys? Just playing with toys on Twitch? <laughs> like... <laughs> So like That's what? Grab, silly. Yeah, I just watch a, a pregnant Elsa and Spider Man, and that gets views. You're so, saying people wouldn't watch you play with like Ninja Turtles and doing a storyline? So just pull out like Castle Grayskull and He Man and, and Skeletor, and just like reenact a scene with my toys. 
Yes, absolutely. And Let's I'm, I'm play being, I'm being with serious. action figures. I would, I would watch that. People would watch that. <laughs> would you? Are you sure? Are you sure people wouldn't watch it and go, "What is wrong with this guy?" <laughs> I, to, I just pointed out an example. Of six I know. million views on an insane video. You're, you're not wrong. There's, there's people <laughs> watching people eat food on Twitch now. Oh wow! I would, people would watch you play with like He-Man figures. <laughs> Capture that toddler market, Dan. They're all on Twitch now. Oh, man. They're all on Twitch. <laughs> Just think about it. Just think about okay. it, Dan. That's all I'm saying. All right. I will think get about yourself it. A tw- get yourself a Twitch Twitch channel if you don't have one. I better do it before Dan this channel. I better do it before this podcast goes live or everybody's going to You better the get idea. it by tomorrow. You better sign up for twitch.tv slash pixeldan if you don't have it. I'm serious. Actually, I'm pretty hey. sure I've got that already. I've just never used it. <laughs> hey. We're in the age now. If it seems crazy, it probably might work, right? That's just the way it's happening. That's true. <laughs> Is there, in terms of buying and collecting toys, do you ever find yourself getting to a point where I don't have room for this stuff or enough's enough? Especially with you, where you tell me, you know, where, oh, I, I have like all these figures lined up for months that, you know, I have to review or, you know, like, does it get, like, what do you like? You picture out, like, what am I doing? Am I going to give these toys away? Am I going to sell them? You know, like, you get to that point where you just get burnt out or you got to find a new house to move into because there's no room. <laughs> yes. To all of that, yes. Um, that is crazy enough. That is a position I'm in at the moment. Um, I'm actually doing the moving thing right now. Or it's just one of those things where we're moving t- to a new house. So as I'm packing up my toy room, it's kind of one of those things where I was just kind of like disgusted with myself while I was packing everything. I was like, why do I have all of this stuff? Yeah. I don't need this stuff. Um, yeah, but it, like you talked about with the review stuff, I mean, I, I get constant influx of new products showing up here for my, my videos. And it's one of those things where like my, I've got a shelf next to my, my workstation that everything just piles up on. And that's like my to do shelf. And it's never empty because it's a constant rotating door of stuff. And you get to that point where you're like, okay, now that I'm done with a video on this, what do I do with it? Is this something I need to keep? Should I give this to somebody that wants it? Should I, you know, what do I do with it? And it it gets bad because sometimes this stuff just piles up. And I I did a collection room video not too long ago where I showed everybody how terribly messy my room was. Because it got to a point where I was just like, I don't have time to actually come over here and organize it and sort it the way I want to. So things just keep getting stacked on the floor and it's bad. It's bad. Why don't you, do you have a Patreon? Why don't you do like a toy giveaway? You know, you're, that's, you're, that's not a bad idea. Really? Is that what I end up? Yeah. I should do more giveaway stuff like that. Yeah. I, I end up doing like, I give a lot of stuff away to like uh, friends or, you know, especially if they've got kids that want the toys. A lot of times when people come over here, I'm just like, do you like that? Do you want that? Do you want that? Like, I'm seriously just like trying to push things at them that I, that I don't personally need to keep because yeah, I just rather get rid of it. And is it, uh, is it it's almost like with, with, with video game collecting, it's almost goes from the pursuit of the old stuff, right? Yeah. But with your world though, it's the new stuff based upon the old stuff. There's so much more of. So for example, in the retro game collecting world, it's 99% collecting and buying the stuff that's been out for 20, 30 years. In your world, it's not just that. It's the new stuff now made to resemble the old stuff. Yes. Re-releases in the same, like G.I. Joe having the similar packaging, re-releasing, yes. that sort of thing. So that's, you're you're now straddling two worlds where the new, the, your collection will never run out of size, like, because you're just adding more and more. Yeah, I'm just constantly adding stuff to it, and that's what's, what's crazy, because, you know, I, I've got all my retro toy lines 
designs that I like, like my turtles and my He-Man and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like like there's all these new Star Wars figures that are constantly coming out that I'm still picking up. There's all the new Marvel Legends action figures that I like to pick things up from. And then that's not even like like getting into like the statue realm. Like what about all the crazy statues and stuff that are out there too that that gets really crazy to collect because where do you put those things once you start buying them? You know what I mean? Those things take up tons of space. It's, yeah, I'm it's thinking, nuts. I'm thinking, thinking giveaway videos. I'm thinking a Patreon toy giveaway. You mail out like five a month. I might start doing that. I have a storage of, of toys and stuff from the flea market and comic books where it's like I don't have time to even sell these if I wanted to. Yeah. I might as well, I might as well just give them away to people. Like why not? Just put them in a, put them in a priority mailer. Randomly pick a few people a month, and there you go. Have fun. There you, you go. Can have it. You want <laughs> an old toys. board game? I don't want. Have have fun. That's not a bad it. idea. That's that's pretty cool idea, actually. Dan, I'm all about trying to help you out, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. I'm always trying to trying to make your life a little bit you're, easier. You're a good friend. Even, even though the book won't make your life easier, but it might be worth it in the long run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen muscle figures make a big resurgence in recent years. At first it was, you know, you go to Comic-Con, you see the muscle type figures. Right. Just a bunch of little mini pink guys. And like, you know, I, I saw, I can't even think of the ones, but they were like off brand. But now muscle is actually back, right? Yes. Like muscle branded figures. Right. So it's a, a company named Super 7 actually has like the muscle license. And they're doing this thing where they are, they're doing, it's weird. To, it's, it sounds weird. They're doing licensed muscle figures and what i mean by that is they're doing he-man muscle figures mega man muscle figures ghost and goblins muscle figures um like they're taking all these other properties that they have the rights to and they're branding them as official muscle items and they're coming in like little packages that look like the old muscle packages and everything and they're they're cool they're really cool <laughs> they're cheap they're cheap to make right they can pump those babies out yeah yeah and they're fun and they totally hit that great nostalgia button and um there's a there's a big mark like that's kind of one of those collecting genres i mean there's a lot of toy collectors that focus just on minifigures so they love that kind of stuff you know they eat that stuff up so it's they it's put, they, they, they put three in a package. Is that how many were in the old muscles, or were they five? It was three? It was three in a package on the blister cards, yep. So that's what they do with these two. And then they even, um, like with the, the He-Man ones, they've even done some of the big boxed ones. That's like uh, 24 or whatever it is. Oh, they did, yeah. the big muscle box yeah. ones. Yeah, so they've done a few of those for the He-Man muscles, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I love muscle figures as a kid. I because I mean, they probably were so cheap, and so my parents couldn't buy them for me. Right. I'm looking, I'm looking at them right now. Oh, they had... Uh, Cutie figures. They had the female ones. That's right. Yep, the cuties. I forgot about that. Uh huh. What a great. It's it's a it's a weird time to be alive. I guess because it's so easy to make these toys nowadays. I mean, I, I, I there's like there's like these Chinese websites where you can just have them make toys for you. All you gotta do is get someone to do like the 3D design for it, and they can make toys. Oh, I saw totally. Someone, I saw someone at Com- I saw someone at Comic Con uh, have a line of toys based upon all like superhero properties that were out of copyright, like the Phantom and like the older you know heroes from the 30s and 40s, and doing figures that they had someone custom make. Right, incredible. Right, it is cool, and it's it's fun too because we're at this point where like uh, a lot of these smaller toy companies are trying to do like these small run productions of some of the toy properties that are a little bit more obscure that has a bit of a niche fan base. Um, like there's a, a small company called Boss Fight Studios, which is actually, they make some really great stuff. They're made of ex like Hasbro guys that worked on G.I. Joe and Star Wars and stuff. So they okay. do their own like really well done three and three quarter inch figures. They did like this whole series of like, um, um, fantasy type figures like, um, Medusa Gorgons and stuff like that. So that company, 
is doing Bucky O'Hare figures now. They they oh, get it right now. They're wow, working with nice. like Larry Hama and uh, you know that group that team, and they've got the official license, and they're producing new Bucky O'Hare action figures, and they look incredible. And that's one of those things that you know it's it's so niche, but it's so fun for those of us that remember that and and love that stuff. I'm thinking YouTuber action figures, Dan. What do you say? Boss fight YouTube? <laughs> yeah, there we go. No one's, no one's done it. They've done the little Minecraft figures, right, that are in Toys R Us. Oh, like yeah. Minecraft streamers. Tube heroes or, I, or whatever they're called. They're called like tube heroes, right? <laughs> yeah, but no one's done like, you know, how about a Pixel Dan, a Pat NES Punk figure, or an AVGN figure? <laughs> there Come we on, go. let's do it. I'm, let's do it. Let's figure out how to get that done. Do you think people would buy them? Let's get you paid, Dan. Let's get you off your day job. <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, any idea I can possibly think of, I would I'm love to make it work. You know, I would love to. People have said that to me for a long time. I don't know how serious they are, but people always tell me that they want a Pixel Dan figure, and I think that sounds so boring. <laughs> well, what's, what's, what sort of what sort of print run do you have to do to, in order to make this a possibility? I would. You know? So that's not a cheap thing, I would imagine. That's you know, and I I, I know some friends who do this thing, who do that sort of thing. And, you know, there's a lot of toy Kickstarters out there, and that's kind of how they get these projects going. They run the Kickstarters, and they get the money to do the production. Cause what, what, you, was, what, was the, uh, what was the G.I. Joe type one last year? It was like Eagle or something? Uh, Eagle Force. Eagle Force. Eagle Force. Yep. Which, yeah. yep they, and then they're doing – that company's still doing stuff. And, um, you know, they did the – uh, October Toys, which was friends of mine, did Skeleton Warriors. They did a Skeleton Warriors figure on Kickstarter. I don't know if you remember that toy line. That's an old, another old that's line. A, that's yeah. an esoteric so, one. That, that's kind of like – I know you guys talk about Kickstarter for video games a lot, but there's a lot of toy Kickstarters out there now too that sometimes they're really great and they work well and they do exactly what they're supposed to do. They allow somebody to – a smaller company to do a production of figures for people. Very cool. Yeah. All right. We'll have to talk uh, offline about this. This could be fun. <laughs> yeah. We got to find how can somebody I, that. How can I secure the rights to AVG and action figures? We got to find somebody that can sculpt. We got to find somebody that can. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a deal, right? You got to yeah. get the 3D sculpture. We, we got to get, yeah. yeah, some talented people so we can get some quality toys made. Yeah. Find the manufacturer that won't rip you off, right? Exactly. At the same time. I would probably, you know what, probably be the cheapest and best thing to do. You do it like the Secret Wars '80s uh, Marvel figures, where you, no articulation, just the rubber oh, arms and legs. You, you know, like F- that wouldn't cost Simple that much, five right? points of articulation. That'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> swivel the head, swivel the shoulders, and, and the, move the, the legs. Joints, yep. that's it. Oh man, I was at Comic Con uh, last. Was it two years ago? Where you can get your own Predator. I'm, I'm just going off now on just how figures have evolved. You got the Predator figure that could hold your own head. They would do a three D. They would do a three D image of your head, and so you can buy a predator figure holding your severed head. That's cool. Spinal cord. That's so cool. Um, that's how far we have come in this world. What do you think about? We're talking about resurgence of the of the figures. Do you ever get a point where you feel like the audience is now officially getting milked? Where it's like, all right, like you when you said they're redoing Skeleton Warriors as a figure line. I'm thinking how many people possibly were into that toy line when it originally came out, right? Well, and that's that's and you're right about that. And the reason I know that that's a good fact, that's a good one to bring up. Skeleton Warriors didn't survive past the first figure. They got the first figure produced when they tried to do another run for the second figure. They didn't get enough sales to produce it. So I mean, geez, I never remember ever watching the cartoon when yeah, it was on, right? Was and, there... and it's it's a shame because sometimes you want to see that stuff succeed and get out there, but you got to face the truth. Sometimes, sometimes the audience just isn't there to support that sort of thing sure what was the, the there, what was the figure line i saw um it was an 80s one it was i think it was mattel it was like combination die cast and plastic 
uh, Bionic Six, was it? Yeah, yeah, Bionic Six. I remember that. So here's here's a toy line that me being an '80s cartoon and toy aficionado, I hadn't even really heard of. And so someone's showing me the the figures on the card back, mint on card, as they say. Yep. And I'm just like, that's awesome, but I can't get into that because I never knew it as a kid. Right? I never saw the cartoon. That was on for oh, that was on for three years, '87 to '89. So now you're talking about something like Skeleton Warriors. It was on for a blip, right? Uh huh. And you had, and you have maybe uh, I don't know a thousand kids that still remember the cartoon. And someone try, try, someone tries to get a Kickstarter going again, and it just falls flat on its face, unfortunately, because there just isn't the marketplace, right? E- exactly. There's, there's just too many other toy lines out there that you can redo. Even Bucky O'Hare has a hundred, and that's not even a huge one. That is that is a hundred times the amount of people that remember that versus Skeleton Warriors. Exactly. Yeah, it gets it gets real crazy, and like yeah, especially because of Kickstarter, we're at this point now where we're everybody's trying everything they're trying to bring everything back and it's it just can't work that way i mean there's going to be a limit to that sort of thing of what's going to be successful and what's not is it because the the licenses are so cheap and you can basically work on it well you know give it to me if, if we hit our goal we'll give you a percentage if not you know there's no risk or you know maybe it's one of those sort of deals where yeah and s- sometimes like the original creators like get involved in that sort of stuff. Like I know, I know um, with skeleton warrior specifically, like that was a Gary Goddard property and he was, he was involved with that, you know, and got them the license and all the original materials to work off of, to produce that line. And it, it's still, you know, just, it wasn't successful because unfortunately there just wasn't enough of a fan base still there for it. So where, where do you see, where do you see the uh, the mask figures? Do they ever think see see a resurgence of new mask figures come back, or is that too you know too, uh, niche? That's one of those things that a lot of people have wanted to see for a long time, and that's supposedly part of that new Hasbro uh, movie, movie universe, universe that yeah, they want right? to do, right? With Transformers, GI and GI Joe, Joe, Transformers. And mask. What, what else? Are they Rom the Space Knight is in there. I think. Rom the Space Knight, yeah. and then Visionaries, which Visionaries no one saw as a kid, no one had the figures almost. <laughs> so. So it's I barely above Skeleton Warriors. I guess. I guess if they could get that movie happening, then yes, there'll be a toy line for the movie. But but I Mask don't... was popular for like a two-year period. You're right, like, you're it right. was. So if they brought that back, let me ask you: Would you want to see them done the same way as the originals, like with the tiny little two-inch action yes. figures? You would. Yes. Because I well, think yeah, there's. I think there's another kind of way to look at it where some people think that that could easily be incorporated into the G.I. Joe toy line oh, in that size. Well, they did do a, they did do a Matt Tracker 3 exactly. figure. They did a Matt Tracker in the G.I. Joe 25th anniversary line, which is a very cool toy and I think that's kind of got people thinking well, why don't they just do that? Why don't they just bring those well, characters into the... And especially if they do that shared movie thing I could totally see them being like kind of compatible, you know. I'll give you one reason why they do that because the toys will cost a hell of a lot more if they're bigger. That's true. You know, like, that's true. Like there's a difference between a toy that can that's like six inches long versus one that's thirty. Well, you know, and, like, the, and the smaller you make the figures, the better chances you have of getting vehicles too. Because let's face it, you don't get a lot of vehicles these days on the toy shelves because they're too big and they're too expensive and they take up. Shelf oh, is that space. why you yeah. don't you won't see like a, a, a big Ninja Turtles blimp anymore? Well, you on know, the shelf? well, you know, Ninja Turtles is a, a kind of a, an anomaly because. They did make oh, a new will. blimp, and they did make a new gigantic play set. Like I, I, I think Turtles kind of broke the the mold of recent toy lines because until that new Turtles line came out, yeah, we never saw big vehicles anymore. That kind of was a thing of the past: vehicles and play sets because they're big and they take up shelf space, and retailers don't want these giant boxes taking up all the shelf space. 
Now I'm looking up Ninja Turtles Vintage Blimp because I never had it as a kid. My, my, my neighbor did. <laughs> I Thanks. love that. You keep just looking things up as we're talking about it. Hey, six, wow, $650 in the box? Holy crap. Whoa. You can find one cheaper than that. You can get one cheaper. Oh, this is one for 150 Okay, that's a little more reasonable. You could probably you know, or get just one lo- Or that. just lose for 45 bucks. Yeah, there, yeah, you, go. there you go. Get a loose bucks. one. <laughs> yeah, screw it. Put some helium in that sucker. Heck float yeah, it around. float it. <laughs> does, does some people do that? Maybe they do. I don't know. I do remember it being jealous. When I was a kid, the only Ninja Turtle stuff I had, like for the most part, with GI, so GI Joe, I had some medium-sized um, vehicles. For for uh, Ninja Turtles, oh, I had like the little motorcycle with the sidecar. I had the catapult, yeah, the, the Donatello catapult. I and um, not much else. I had a few of the little, the little small size stuff. The stuff that cost like you know fifteen bucks back in or twelve bucks back in like totally. nineteen ninety ninety one. You know, yeah. Let me ask you. This is the question of the day, Dan. How do you feel about the world of Funko Pop? Um, I'm totally fine with Pops. And I know that I, I, every time you <laughs> – I always listen to you kind of like you're waiting for the bubble to burst, right? And Oh, it's, it's going to bubble. It's going to. It's going to. It's going to. It's going to burst one day. Um, the people at Funko know that. Okay? They're not, they're not blind to it. I will tell you. I'm friends with one of the designers uh, at Funko. He's, he's a good friend Uh-oh. of mine. So, but I look. Pops, no negativity from Dan and his channel. I, I just, <laughs> no, here's the deal. And I, I know there's some people that are just totally against the pop thing. But they found, they found a cool thing where, like, they were able to scoop up all these licenses. They can sell those things for relatively cheap. So, like, they're picking up. Anybody that may not even be a toy collector, they can walk in the store and they can get a $10 toy based on anything that they like, right? And that's that's the beauty of that toy line. That's not something that you really have to go out and collect everything. You get one or two based on what characters you like and you put it on your desk or you put it on – you know what I mean? So and I'm not I'm not speaking I'm – t- I'm speaking to the manufactured scarcity. Okay, yeah. I'm, sp- I'm speaking to when I go to Comic-Con that. and you have someone with literally – uh, a, a 10 by 15 booth of uh, 2,000 Funko Pops, and you have a sticker on one saying, limited gold Stormtrooper, $350. And I'm like, who the hell is buying that? I know. Who's pushing Who's pushing the value up on that? Well, that's, that's the, all I'm the, the exclusives are... Ugh, I, uh, the San Diego exclusives—they're so hard to even get. It's—it's it's such a nightmare. Well, so. I mean, they're not the only ones. I mean, Lego does the same well, shit. You're right. You're right. Legos—they do—they did the. I remember they did the lottery and hell. I did the lottery too, where you got the exclusive like Batman and Superman ones and only at Comic Con, and there was a. Eight thousand people online just to get the lottery tickets. Totally, to get it. and I know. then they're on e- they're on eBay for eight hundred dollars that night, and they sell. That's the a worst. little fucking one inch Lego. I hate that. <laughs> I really hate that. All I'm saying is this: <laughs> people out there, with you're not going to get rich off your Funko Pop collection. No. The same way, the same way you, you never got rich off your Star Trek Next Generation Playmate figures. Yeah, it just it ain't going to happen. Or your Beanie Babies or anything like that. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. I don't think people should be buying those things as like to invest. A, an investment no way like those those should be exactly what they are fun little desk toys that you pick up the things that you like you know i have i have big lebowski yeah i have a peter parker one i'm not saying you shouldn't own them what i'm <laughs> saying is don't buy into this whole yeah well they're only going to go up in value because look what happened to the beanie baby market look you know absolutely they, they, they've written books they've written books on it <laughs> I remember my grandma on the Home Shopping Channel in the 90s trying to buy those stupid things. Like, she was buying those. It was nuts. The Beanie Baby thing was crazy. Yeah. Dan, what do you got coming up in the, the future besides, you, you know, maybe a book and maybe a new toy line? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I'm just 
I guess as far as my channel goes, it's just so I do a ton of videos, and it's it's different for me than like um, you know with like. Well, you know, you got the podcast and you got the punk videos and your punk videos, you do a lot more work and editing on. And so they come out, you know, kind of sporadically. Right. You can say that. So with the (laughs) so with the toy review stuff, I pretty much do a daily video. Um, So I have a video on my channel every day, at least um, of a new toy that I'm reviewing. So basically, that's kind of what my calendar looks like. I've just got a a ton of toys that I'll be doing videos on. I've got other things in my head that I want to do. I would love to get back to a more show quality kind of format, kind of like what I used to do with From Pixels to Plastic, where I would actually like talk about a toy line as a whole. I, I want to produce something that's more of a show like that. And and I've got a lot of notes and a lot of ideas in my head. I have no idea when I'm actually going to find the time to start production on something like that, but it's something that I want to do in the future. Uh otherwise, I have a lot of a lot of travel coming up. Uh Oh yeah, Comic-Con, you are the king of Comic-Con. Gosh, yeah. So San Diego I, I have to tell the story, Dan. You have to Okay, tell I knew this was going to come up. Go ahead. <laughs> Because you literally were wearing a crown. <laughs> was, at I, was I? Was I? Literally. Had, I, don't know if it was, I don't know if it was a Burger King crown or where you got a crown. We are upstairs at Comic Con. They had the medium sized, uh, the medium sized um, panel rooms, and I see Dan walking around. He's saying hi. He, he just left the panel. I don't know what it was a Ninja Turtles. Panel. It was it was the He Man panel, the Mattel, the He Man panel, the Mattel panel. Yep. This is probably 2012 or so, 13. Yep, that's about uh, right. Dan's getting Dan's getting stopped by like a lot of people. Like we're talking how 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 Gen, how how James gets stopped at video game conventions. Dan's getting stopped here. I come up to Dan and go, "Hey, Dan, what's going on?" Dan's like, "Yeah, nice to see you. Nice to see you." Shakes my hand like I'm one of the other hundred fans that shook his hand and walks away. From me. <laughs> Hold on, I I and realized I go, it. <laughs> And you stop and you look right through. I'm like, Dan, it's packed. <laughs> and it took you like a whole five seconds going, oh, my God, it's packed. Uh, you, try to, you try to Hollywood me at Comic-Con, Dan. <laughs> to be fair, that was the first time we had met in person. So <laughs> Was it? So it was 2012? Yeah, I think? yeah, yeah. So that so... was right before we did video game years. We started doing video game years, what, end of 2012? Yes, I think we yes. So that was our first time meeting in person. But, yeah. I totally did that. <laughs> I felt real bad if that if that makes you feel better. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. No, I, I, I thought I thought it was hysterical because you were in you were in that mode where I'm gonna shake as many hands as I can and get through Comic Con. You know, the king of the king of Toyland. Well, you just. I mean, yeah, you just happened to catch me with that crowd. I mean, because that was the the Mattel He Man. You know, so like that. Those were the guys that watch my stuff. So yeah, you just you happen to catch me right at that opportune moment. <laughs> oh, that was hysterical. But we had fun. We had fun at uh, Comic Con last year doing. We got a panel. For, yeah. For retro Retro Game Collecting One Hundred and One with with Andre Meadows and James and Ian. That was great. So good. It was my first ever panel at Comic Con. So that was one of those. You, you, did you keep your card? I did. Ian I actually, did. Actually, Ian framed this card. I, yeah, I'm probably gonna frame mine too. I've got it still. I'm just waiting because I'm waiting until I get settled into the new place and I probably frame it because that was a cool experience to say I got to be on a panel at San Diego Comic Con. So. Thank you, Pat. I was going to say thanks to your pal, Pat. This is <laughs> yeah. A- you <laughs> thanked me. He has never thanked me before. Damn it. Ian didn't even know he was going to be on. It was funny. I'm like, yeah, Ian, I got the panel. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. I said, you know, you're on. He's like, oh, what? 
I'm like, yes, I put you on the panel. I put you on. Like he, it didn't click with him right away. He was on a panel at Comic Con. But hopefully, we get another one this year. Yeah, I hope It'll so. Be great. We didn't even get into the fact that you're a part time pro wrestler. We didn't even get into oh, that. Oh yes, I do that as well. I am a man of many many hats. I wear many hats. I've been doing that a lot longer than this 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 toy thing because I started doing that right out of high school. As soon as I got out of high school. I went to pro wrestling school and got trained and then just tr- I like I was real real serious into it for several years where every weekend I was traveling, you know, around in Illinois or St. Louis and and working different shows for a long time, so you were getting paid. You were a pro wrestler, even if it was 5 bucks. Exactly. You don't right? get paid a lot on the indies, but yes, people were I was getting I was getting money to wrestle. So was that would that, would that would have been your total dream if you could do that full time, be a pro wrestler? Would that be have been it? So it kind of got to that moment where I was I had to make that decision because I I w- I was thinking about leaving and going off to actually try to get into one of the bigger schools and you know and, and make it something. And it just I, I kind of just sat down and debated it and decided that I didn't really want to do it full time. I didn't want to do it as a full time thing. So I. I kind of backed away from it. I still, I'm still involved though, in, in the local promotions here. I, I, I still have a lot of fun with it. I just uh, tag teamed with Billy Gunn last weekend. So, oh, yeah, oh, so wow. I'm still, yeah, I'm still doing it. <laughs> it's fun. Right, so, so you're still in ring shape. You can still work a match. Work I'm a not in. Match. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in as good ring shape as I should be. But I can still, I can still do a 10 minute match. Yes. Definitely. You got to work out, work out with Normore, right? I should work out. Yeah, I should. What What's your wrestling name? Your character name? Spencer Powers. The Spotlight Spencer Powers. And you're just like a cocky heel? or what So I was for a long time. Currently, I'm running as a baby face. I'm actually part of a tag team right now called Attitude Inc. <laughs> and, okay. uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're a baby face tag team. What's your, what's your finisher? Um, currently, I'm doing like a diamond cutter kind of thing. After I turned baby face, I wanted something that I can kind of hit fast and get a reaction so that's why i'm doing that but when i was running as a heel my my biggest thing was always that i was the master of the abdominal stretch and i would be <laughs> i would beat people with the abdominal stretch that was my they thing they would tap to the ab stretch so that was my thing that, that's that's really funny i still have dreams where i'm a wrestler and this kind of maybe maybe this sort of goes to my youtube career or anything else where in my dreams i rarely actually wrestler wrestle i'm always like overlooked where i'm i'm just like on the lower run where they don't give me an opportunity to wrestle <laughs> that's all so it's like even in my dreams i came and wrestle a match i'm just like what i know how to wrestle i can do an arm drag why don't you give me a chance <laughs> give me a chance and ne- they never they never do it i can never prove myself and that's probably if i pursued pro wrestling that's probably exactly where i would have ended up where i would have been like probably pretty decent but never given the opportunity so i just wallow and just you know just that's funny never thought about it though i love it i never thought about it i still love it and you know i i really accredit pro wrestling to uh me being able to do what i do now on youtube honestly like uh, being a pro wrestler gave me my voice it basically forced me to do public speaking it got me out there in front of people it got me to know how to project i'm a very loud talker anyway but i project you know and and i think i got all of that my charisma and everything is is because of all the years i spent doing the wrestling thing so well you know what dan i'd love to see you wrestle work a match sometime i'll do do a run-in at an event (laughs) everybody always wants me to wrestle eight bit eric so maybe one of these days we'll make that one of these days i I think you might be able to take him you might be able to take him Dan, where can people find you on Twitter and on YouTube? 
Uh, sure, yeah. Twitter is at PixelDan. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, it's YouTube.com forward slash Pixel hyphen Dan. Um, or if you just if you just search Pixel Dan, you're going to find me. It's going to be the first thing that pops up. So it's very easy to locate. Search for Pixel Dan impregnates Elsa, <laughs> Spider-Man, Purple Joker, yeah. <laughs> Cameo, whatever the hell it is. Dan, this is great. I'll, I'm going to see you in a few weeks at Too Many Games, and I'll see you at Comic-Con. We've we got to talk more often. I'm kind of jealous, jealous that you live close to someone like Norm. You know, like I don't live close to anyone that I know from either the old school retroware days or, or YouTube. It's sort of me by myself here on this island. Maybe I'll move to where you guys are at. Where do you live again? You're in, you're in uh, Missouri. Where are you at? I'm in Illinois. Norm's in Missouri, but that's, yeah, it's very close to each other. So we're, we're neighboring states. All right, Dan. Thanks for coming on board. And we'll talk more about our various potential business ventures, book and toy line later on. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me, Pat. Thanks again to Dan for speaking to me. You can check him out on YouTube and on Twitter at PixelDan. If you enjoyed the Not So Common Podcast, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, or whatever you use to listen to them. You can rate the podcast and leave a comment to help give it a boost, and feel free to spread the word via social media and let everyone else know how much you enjoy it. Finally, if you want to help directly support the Not So Common Podcast, please check out patreon.com slash Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.